This is episode number 241 with Dr. Michael Greger. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Just a quick little reminder that if you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. So make sure you check it out today. Founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, Dr. Michael Greger is a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, food safety, and public health issues. He has lectured at the Conference on World Affairs, testified before Congress, and was invited as an expert witness in the defense on Oprah Winfrey's in the infamous meat defamation trial. In 2017, Dr. Greger was honored with the ACLM Lifestyle Medicine Trailblazer Award. He is a graduate of the Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. His latest book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. He has videos on more than 2,000 health-related topics freely available at nutritionfacts.org with new videos and articles uploaded every single day. All proceeds he receives from his books, DVDs, and speaking engagements are all donated to charity, which is just so beautiful. And in today's episode, we chat about the life-changing story about his grandma that led him to his path, how not to die from any disease and improve our health destiny by eating a plant-based diet, the scientific research behind Michael's work and how to cut through all the noise out there, the relationship between meat consumption and the blue zones, the highly recommended supplements you should take if you're eating a plant-based diet, the importance of B12 and how to get it into your diet, what is the daily dozen, a breakdown on his upcoming book, How Not to Diet, which is different to How Not to Die, why it's important to adopt a healthy diet from a young age, and the problems with not adopting a healthy lifestyle and healthy habits plus so much more. And for everything that Michael and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 241. But before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Courtney Rowell, and it's a five-star review titled, Inspo for Your Best Life. And Courtney says, 
This podcast is one of my absolute favorites. I look forward to every week and finding out which amazing guest Melissa is going to have on her show. I spend a lot of time driving and love using that time to catch up on podcasts like Melissa's that leave me feeling inspired, motivated, and basically wanting to live a better life. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Courtney, for that beautiful five-star review. I am so grateful that you took the time to do that. It means the absolute world to me, darling. So thank you so much. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you have to do is head on over to iTunes and leave me your five-star review now. I would be so grateful. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the incredible Dr. Michael Greger. Michael, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? What did I have for breakfast this morning? I had uh, oat groats. So that's like the steel cut oats before they're cut. Um, with uh, I made an electric pressure cooker and then added lots of frozen berries and uh, pumpkin seeds and flax seeds and cheese seeds. Uh, and ate it up delicious. Yum. I'm coming over for breakfast tomorrow. That sounds delicious. Anytime. (laughs) So I love your story about your grandma. So for those that don't know this story or don't know about you, can you share that story about your grandma with us? Sure. You know, I was just a kid when the doctor sent my grandmother home in a wheelchair to die. She was Diagnosed with end-stage heart disease, she had so many bypass operations, surgeons, surgeons basically run out of plumbing at some point, confined in a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over at age 65. I then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers. And what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. It talks about Francis Greger, my grandmother. They wheeled her in, and she walked out. Uh, uh, she was given her medical death since at age 65, but thanks to a healthy diet, was able to enjoy another 31 years on this earth till age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. That's why I went into medicine. That's uh, why I wrote the book, How Not to Die, and why 100% of the proceeds I get from all my books are all donated to charity. I just want to do for everyone's family what Pritikin did for my family. Yeah, I love that about your books. There's no agenda. You're not trying to convert people. You're not trying to make money from your books or your website or your speaking or even your products. You're simply presenting the scientific facts and letting people decide. And in your books, you cover how not to die, but from basically all modern day killers such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Parkinson's, and even suicidal depression. So I want to know, how do we do it? How do we not die from those things? Well, it's uh, not how to not die, but how not to die, as in, you know, prematurely in pain after a long chronic disabling illness. And the good news is we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behavior. So, I mean, I do have an agenda, but the agenda is to make people healthy. Yes, exactly. So what are some of the things that you have found in your scientific data 
and scientific research that really help people live these long and healthy lives? I think the best available balance of evidence suggests the healthiest diet is one that minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk and maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, uh, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices. And the thing that makes you stand out and rise above the noise is the pure volume of scientific data you have and the research that you've done. So how many peer-reviewed research papers do you think that you have read in your lifetime because there's so much information out there. There's so much information. There's so much noise out there. And there's a lot, like a lot of people are very confused. But what I love about you is that you're just delivering the data, the science. So how many papers do you think you've actually read? Um, (laughs) uh, Well, uh, I mean, so my latest, my new book, uh, which will be out in December, How Not to Diet on Weight Loss, um, I mean, the, the obesity literature, there's about a half million uh, uh, papers in the peer-reviewed English language uh, medical literature, and about a new, about a hundred new ones published every day. Um, and so, you know, you go to sleep, you're just like hopelessly behind. Um, but um, so every year, so I'm just looking at my, um, my the last year. So every year I, I go through all the medical literature, see all the new stuff. So last year I downloaded, categorized, annotated, and read 69,298 Whoa. Um, uh, um, papers. Now, of course, that's the whole team. We, I may have, we have 96 uh, full-time uh, volunteers um, uh, who, who just churn through the literature. Um, and so that basically that gives me access to anything everywhere. I mean, I have people at uh, major universities on multiple continents who can just pull things. I have a volunteer uh, who goes to the National Library of Medicine for me, the largest medical library in the world, and can scan old papers that aren't online. And so I just have this, I'm in this privileged position to have this unparalleled access um, to the science. Uh, you know, it's like, I mean, it goes, really goes back to the story with my grandma. I mean, so Dean Ornish, Dr. Dean Ornish and colleagues proved that heart disease could be reversed with that and lifestyle changes alone. Arteries opened up without drugs, without surgery, just healthy enough plant-based diet back July 23rd, 1990. So this was the summer 1990 in the most prestigious medical journal in the world, The Lancet. Yet look here in the States, hundreds of thousands continue to needlessly die from what we learned decades ago was a reversible condition. And so, wait a second, if effectively the cure to our number one killer could get lost down some rabbit hole and ignored, what else might there be in the medical literature that could help my patients but just didn't have a you know, corporate budget driving its promotion? Well, I made it my life's mission to find out. That's why I started nutritionfacts.org because that was the tool I wish I'd had when I was in medical school to cut through all the nonsense and non-science out there and get to the best available balance of evidence of how the best uh, feed ourselves and our families. Yeah, I love that. And nutritionfacts.org is a not-for-profit website where people can come and literally just get the data, the scientific data on pretty much everything, isn't it? All for free. No ads, no corporate sponsorship, strictly non-commercial, not selling anything. Just put it up as a public service as a labor of love, as a tribute 
to my grandmother, a free nonprofit science-based public service providing, uh, you know, uh, daily updates, the latest in nutrition research via these kind of bite-sized videos. We have videos on more than 2,000 health topics these days. New videos and articles upload nearly every day and the latest in evidence-based nutrition. What a concept. Yeah, it's amazing. And we'll link to it in the show notes. If you guys haven't checked it out, please do. There is so much great information there. You've basically done a video on everything. And like you said before, you know, you... Uh, a massive advocate for eating real whole foods, real food. The only reason I'm an advocate is because that's what the science said. I'm an advocate for whatever the science says is best. It just so happens to be that what's best is these real whole foods. Yes, exactly. So have you seen any science that shows animal products extend your life and reverse disease and aging? No. No, I mean, the, the, the such studies don't exist. But uh, yeah, no. In fact, if you look at the longest living you know, populations around the world, the so-called blue zones, you know, those with, for example, the greatest percentage of centenarians, one of the things that they all share in common, kind of the Venn diagram where they all come together, is a predominantly plant-based diet. And in fact, the longest formerly studied population in the world, you know, don't eat any meat at all. These uh, seven-day Adventists around Loma Linda, California. In fact, they're the only blue zone that continues to this day. All these other blue zones, like in Greece or Okinawa, 50 years ago, they had great longevity. But now, of course, as Kentucky Fried Chicken has moved in, actually, the Okinawans are now the fattest population in Japan as opposed to the healthiest. But the one blue zone that continues even in the modern day are these folks that don't eat any meat at all. Of course, that's not all they do. They also tend not to smoke, eat lots of fruits and vegetables, and have other healthy lifestyle behaviors. But diet is part of the reason why they live 10 to 14 years longer than the rest of us. Mm, That's amazing. So are there any essential supplements on a whole foods, plant-based diet that you recommend? And if so, what are they? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I'm curious to know if it's an actual problem with the diet or whether it's an issue with our food supply in the soil. Well, the critical nutrient is vitamin B12. So there's two vitamins that are not made by plants. The first of which is vitamin D made by animals such as ourselves when we walk outside. It's the sunshine vitamin. Those in Australia should have no problem getting all they need. Of course, they actually have to walk outside. For those of us who uh, who live most of our lives indoors or or for whatever reason don't get sufficient sunlight, then we may need to supplement our diets with vitamin D. The only other vitamin not made by plants is not made by animals either, vitamin B12, made by little microbes that blanket the earth. So yeah, uh, we may have been able to get all the B12 we needed drinking out of a mountain stream or well water or something, but now we chlorinate the water supply to kill off any bacteria. So we don't get a lot of B12 in our water anymore. Don't get a lot of cholera either. That's a good thing that we live in a nice sanitary world. But, you know, our fellow great apes get all the B12 they need eating bugs, dirt, and feces. I prefer supplements. So uh, one 2,500-microgram supplement of cyanocobalamin, the cheapest, most stable source, once a week is all you need, costs less, uh, here in the States, costs less than five bucks a year, get all the B12 you need, but critically important for anyone on a plant-based diet. And do you have a brand of B12 supplement that you love the most? Whatever's cheapest, whatever's cheapest. I mean, it's the same stuff. I mean, so, uh, yeah, 
I mean, it's all pretty much the same. What I would encourage people against uh, or, or caution people against is because it's so dirt cheap, you know, the supplement companies have to figure a way to, to kind of to branch out and somehow brand their products different. So they sell different types of vitamin B12, like uh, methylcobalamin, for example. And that's actually not as shelf stable. So you never know what's actually in the bottle, regardless of what the label says. So I encourage people to stick to the cheapest, which is called cyanocobalamin. It's chemically stable. And uh, they're daily dosing, but the easiest just once a week, get all you need. Do you think that if a woman is trying to fall pregnant or is pregnant, that the B12 needs to be increased? It just, it's critically important. I mean, the, the, uh, to get it, period. Uh, 2,500 micrograms uh, once a week or 250 a day. Um, more than enough B12 than anybody needs. It's water soluble. You just pee out the excess. You don't have to worry about getting too much, but that's more than enough for um, pregnant and breastfeeding women, but critically important for them. See, when someone starts eating plant-based later in life, like let's say you've been eating kind of the standard Western diet your whole life, and all of a sudden you wake up and you start eating healthier. Well, you have B12 that's uh, stocked up, particularly in your liver, and so it could be weeks, months, even years before you run into B12 deficiency problems. Whereas an infant, particularly if the mother had low stores, starts out basically from nothing and can very rapidly develop vitamin B12 deficiency if they're not getting a source. And the best source of which, of course, is breast milk from a mother who's um, supplementing with vitamin B12. But yeah, but it could be very rapid and uh, very tragic. So especially important for pregnant and breastfeeding women to ensure regular, reliable source of vitamin B12. So do you think everyone should be supplementing with a B12? Well, I mean, so, for example, um, the American Academy of Neurology suggests everybody at age 50 start, the entire global population should start supplementing their diet with vitamin B12. And that's just because even if you eat meat, which contains B12 because of the bacteria in the digestive tracts of the animals, even if you eat meat, our body uh, starts to lose the ability to extract B12 from meat. And so because it's so critically important, the recommendation is that everybody at age 50 start taking B12 regardless of what you eat. And so the recommendation for those eating plant-based is just to start immediately, start before that age, and uh, make sure you get B12 at all stages of the life cycle. What about fortified foods like nutritional yeast? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, there's two ways to get B12. You can take a supplement or eat B12 fortified foods. My only caution with um, nutritional yeast is not there's this misconception that all nutritional yeast has B12. And that's not true. B12 is actually added to nutritional yeast. It doesn't have it naturally. It's grown on a medium that contains B12 and it sucks it up. If you grow it on a medium that doesn't have B12, in fact, most nutritional yeast doesn't have B12. It has to specifically say on the label as vitamin B12 and it doesn't it uh, probably doesn't. And so there's this false sense of security. Oh, I don't have to worry about B12 because I eat um, nutritional yeast. Well, only if nutritional yeast has specifically has B12 in it. But there are lots of products now, some healthier than others. Uh, there's a type of tea, I think Celestial Seasonings makes a, a tea called Tension Tamer that actually has B12 added to it. A number of for people that eat uh, processed plant foods like you know soy milk and and you know uh, uh, you know veggie dogs that kind of thing. A lot of the the uh, the plant based meats and milks also has B twelve added to it. The important thing is just to get a regular reliable source. My concern with any you know it's added a lot of breakfast cereals, which is you know a lot of sugary junk. And so rather than going out of your way to buy these processed foods, I'm probably the easiest thing is to stick to the healthiest foods, whole foods, and just get it in supplemental form. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of those fake 
you know, vegan burgers and stuff that have it in it, they're full of a lot of other stuff as well, a lot of other junk. It's certainly better than the real thing, but, you know, a step in the right direction for sure. But, you know, that's not the ideal. I consider those foods kind of stepping stones to a healthier diet rather than the end goal. Mm, Okay, cool. And so let's talk about vitamin D now. What what is your recommended intake per day for people? So if you're not getting sufficient sunshine, then 2,000 international units a day should bring your levels up to where we want. As uh, we get older, that recommendation may go up, but uh, 2,000 international units a day should be sufficient for those not getting inadequate sun- sunlight. Okay, cool. So can you tell us now about your daily dozen? What's that? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, on nutritionfacts.org, you know, there's over a thousand videos, which is great since I'm able to cover so many topics, but it's a little overwhelming. I do uh, record these like annual year review type videos where I go through the science in 12 months chunks. But, you know, uh, the reason I wrote How Not to Die is really wanted to compile all the most compelling evidence in one place. And so to that end, you know, I have chapters in the world diet, may plan preventing, arresting, reversing each of our top 15 killers, backed up by, you know, about 3,000 scientific citations, but I didn't want to just write a reference book, right? I wanted to be a practical guide on translating this mountain of data into, you know, day-to-day decisions. And so that's what became the second half of the book, where I sent my recommendations around a daily dozen checklist of all the things that try to fit into my daily routine. So, for example, berries every day, the healthiest fruits, greens every day, the healthiest vegetables, legumes, a tablespoon of ground flaxseeds, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric, the best beverages, uh, the best sweeteners, how much to exercise every day. Really all just trying to inspire people to try to include some of the healthiest of healthy foods into their daily diets. It's available as an app, as a free app on iPhone and Android, where it's like a daily checklist and you can see how many, you know, healthy foods you can check off every day and track your progress. And uh, it will update at the end of the year when How Not to Diet comes out and there'll be, uh, you can switch over into weight loss mode and there'll be a, a, an additional checklist, my 21 tweaks to accelerate body fat loss in addition for those who are interested. Oh, awesome. Can't wait to read that. Yeah, my husband has the app and he's the one that showed oh, me. great. Yeah, he is a massive fan. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your book really shifted a lot for him, you know, and he he says, you know, if there's one book that every single person should read, it's this book. It's just full of all the data, all the science, which is amazing. So you've got it all in one place. I have a friend who actually carries your book around <laughs> with him. Like he... <laughs> That's my friend Simon Hill. He actually he has an amazing podcast called Plant Proof and he oh, carries his book around with him wherever he goes. Oh, that's funny. And hey, it's good exercise too. It's a yes. <laughs> Yeah, because it's so big. It's like a brick. But how is it different to how not to diet? So how not to diet was focused on preventing rest and reversing the leading killer diseases. How not to diet is optimal weight loss. So it's uh, split up into basically uh, four different sections. The first section of which is the uh, causes, consequences, and solutions tried to date. So basically, I explore what exactly happened in the late 1970s around the entire world 
that uh, triggered this this obesity epidemic. What are the health consequences? And then uh, you know we'll talk about all the you know kind of traditional approaches: bariatric surgery, diet, drugs, weight loss, supplements, etc. The second part, I go into the uh, seventeen ingredients that I discovered to to construct an ideal weight loss diet. Originally, uh, as per the title, I was just going to go you know chapter on each of the you know, current kind of fad diets and, you know, and talk about what the science says. But I realized, look, you know, it's like playing whack-a-mole. By the time the book came out, it would already be outdated. There'd be all sorts of new new diets out there. So I decided instead, I'd just say, well, look, what are the criteria that you can use to compare any future diet to and see how many criteria? And so I came up with 17. And then part three of the book is saying, okay, what existing diet on the planet or what can we cobble together to best match all 17? And then finally, part four is the weight loss booster section where the 21 tweaks comes from, where I talk about all the different ways to accelerate weight loss, regardless of what you eat, and not just particular foods, but you know, talk about chronobiology and meal timing and combining and tweaks to exercise and, and intermittent fasting and all sorts of ways to uh, accelerate body fat loss. And so it's uh, it's probably the biggest uh, biggest research project my team's ever taken on. But the harder it was, the more I realized how uh, important uh, it was to get it out there. Here in the states, it's published December tenth. It's available for pre order now. Super excited to get this into people's hands. I really think it'll help. Oh yeah, I can't wait to read it, and we'll link to it in the show notes so everyone can go and pre order it and grab their copy. That's really exciting. I'm super excited for you. So let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your books, let's pretend that they're already <laughs> they're already in the curriculum because they yeah, absolutely, they yeah, they've got to be. But Besides your books, what is one other book that you would choose to go in the high school curriculum of every high school around the world? Wow, that is quite a question. So, well, we already got nutrition covered if they got my book, so we can scratch that off the list. But look, the reason why I do the the work that I do is that uh, diet is the number one killer on planet Earth. So according to the Global Burden of CSA, the largest study of risk factors, history funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the number one cause of death of the human species is what we eat. And so that's, you know, uh, that's why I spend, uh, you know, my entire life doing it. But if we scratch that off the list, a book that ever, or at least a topic that everyone would need, I think the one skill that our youth and everybody needs above all else is critical thinking. You know, particular in uh, particularly in today's age of, you know, alternative facts and fake news, I mean people really need critical thinking skills certainly in the field of nutrition. There's this horrible corrupting influence of commercialism. Um, you know, who knows what to believe because there's so much money at stake. You have some basic critical thinking skills you know, it's just because someone tells you something. Well, how do you find out what is that actually true? You weren't born with that knowledge. Where did you come across it? And share me your source so I can check out your source and see if it actually makes any sense. And so, yeah, a book on teaching critical thinking would be the book I'd want everyone to read. Have you got anyone, any book in particular in mind or just in general? Oh, it would just have to be in general. Whatever is the best book. I know there's a, there's a bunch of them out there, but I haven't personally read them, so I don't want to make a specific recommendation. 
Yeah, fair enough. Now, is there anything that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Oh, my God, all the time. Well, so, I mean, in terms of what I'm working on uh, professionally, you know, I'm now in a three-year book cycle. I've read a new book every three years, and I spend a year on the road on a speaking tour. Um, and then the third year, I spend uh, scripting out three years' worth of videos, so the website continues to go while I'm writing the next book. And so and next year, I have 200 cities lined up. Unfortunately, not going to be in Australia, but a bunch of new countries that I haven't been before, like Iceland and Poland. And then uh, the next book starts January 2021, How Not to Age. Um, it'll be on longevity and uh, excited about that. And then we'll start the whole cycle all over again. Amazing. Sounds very exciting. Now, I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day. So I'd love to hear, can you share your morning routine? I'd love to know what you eat and then how your day unfolds. So I know no two days are ever the same. And when you're on the road, it's going to be completely different. (laughs) But can you give us kind of like a standard day and what you eat in that day? Yeah, well, I get up early. I had my wonderful Odie breakfast this morning. We actually have a a roof deck. We're in these little, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia. um, It's all a bunch of little row houses. So there's really no trees. There's no, you can't really get outside. But I can find my way to the roof. So at least I can get some sunlight. And, uh, you know, reading and in, in writing the new book about this chronobiology, about the importance of our circadian rhythms, I realized there's all the, um, with all this data suggesting that early morning sunlight exposure, so 30 minutes um, between uh, 6 a.m. and uh, 10 a.m., is important in terms of kind of setting your central clock. And uh, so, and that's in terms of improving sleep and improving a, a variety of different factors. So I have started eating breakfast on the roof. And so then I'll at least get exposed to uh, some rays, although I'm not actually enjoying the view. I'm usually just uh, catching up on the email that I missed overnight. And then, look, I, I get to work, get on my treadmill. I have a walking desk. And so I end up walking, what, 17 miles a day. So what is that, like, uh, I don't know, 25 kilometers a day, something like that? I mean, it's it's very slow, but 1.8 miles an hour. But it just keeps me from being sedentary. Otherwise, I'd be sitting all day. So it depends whether I'm in research phase or, or writing phase. Or usually, I'm I'm just reading, just a tremendous volume. And so I'm just reading all day, annotating, taking notes. And then compile. Then I actually have volunteers compile the. Actually, now I have staff compiling annotations, and so then I have all my notes in one place. I sit down and I. Uh, write out the videos or the speeches or whatever I'm doing. And then uh, lunch is usually leftovers from the night before. You know, healthy snacks throughout the day or fresh fruit. You know, my I love uh, Honeycrisp apples with some dates or, you know, uh, bell peppers dipped in some, well, free hummus or nori sheets to snack on, something like that. And then, you know, supper, you know, I'm trying to, I, I see, I look at my daily dozen, see what I'm missing. Usually I'm not hitting my daily quota of beans and greens, so I make sure I whatever I make, uh, do a lot of beans and greens. Usually my kind of base for many of my meals, whether uh, soups or as kind of sweet or savory porridge, it starts out with a, a prebiotic mix of oat groats, purple barley, rye berries, and these are all in whole intact form. And then uh, beluga lentils, which are these small, dark lentils 
all goes into a electron electric pressure cooker for 30 minutes and then that's kind of the kind of whole grain base for the day um and then you know mix it with tons of greens and then you know i can go in any direction in terms of spicing whether it's you know ethiopian or indonesian i actually had indonesian today or you know or or more some kind of uh you know italian make some uh, bean pasta or whole wheat pasta and uh just have tons of vegetables lots of greens i love spicy food lots of hot sauce and then fruit for desserts, uh, mango season now, and uh, where I am, and uh, we have some amazing seeded watermelons in season. And so I am in heaven, and then work, work, work until I get too tired, and then I fall asleep, and then I do it all again today, the next day. Oh, awesome. I want to come to your house for lunch, please. That is Anytime. my goal. <laughs> so... What did you notice within yourself when you, you know, obviously your grandma lived an extra, how how many years was it? 31 years? Yeah, yeah. So obviously she experienced huge differences. So what oh, did, yeah. what have you noticed within yourself since you embarked on eating real food? Yeah, I mean, they, they wheeled her in and she walked out within three weeks. She was walking 10 miles a day. I mean, and wow. then, yeah, her whole life was different. But, it's, you know, it's interesting at that time, you know, it didn't really make much of an impact on me. I mean, that's just, that's what I assumed happened. As a little kid, you go to the doctor and you get better. I mean, that's what doctors do, right? And so, I mean, little did I know how revolutionary it was at that time in history. We had no idea heart disease was reversible. I mean, the common knowledge was just get worse, 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 then you die, like diabetes. Many still think type 2 diabetes. It's just something that gets progressively worse. You lose your vision, amputations, go on dialysis, die. But now we know, no, we can, you know, we can reverse type 2 diabetes with healthy enough diet by treating the cause. So in terms of me, boy, it was... 29 years ago, long time ago. And so I think I was so young that I don't remember feeling much of a difference. But my arteries inside, I'm sure I could tell you differently. So uh, by age nine, those uh, studies done here in the States, by age nine, nearly all kids raised on a standard American diet already have what are called fatty streaks building up inside their arteries. That's the first stage of atherosclerosis, the number one killer of men and women. They uh, turn into plaques in our 20s, get worse in our 30s, and then can start killing us off. So if there's anyone listening to this older than age 10, then uh, the question is not whether or not you should eat healthy to prevent heart disease. Maybe you should start eating healthy to reverse the heart disease you likely already have, whether you know it or not. Mm, yes. This is why we need to embark on eating real healthy food today. Because yeah, there's this there's this stuff we've got to reverse and we have to do it now. You know, and you say, well, wait a second, if it can be reversed, why don't I just eat crap my whole life and then, oh, fine, I get heart disease. Well, then I'll then I'll just start eating healthy and reverse it. The problem is, is for most people that die from heart disease, a little over 50%, particularly women, the first sign is what's called sudden cardiac death. Meaning you don't, that's defined as, as death within your first symptom in someone without known heart disease. So you have no idea you even have heart disease. And then within minutes of that uh, first symptom, you're dead. So an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure because there is no cure for dead. Mm, yes, exactly. Wow. 
If that's not inspiration to start cleaning up our life and our diet, then I don't know what is. I want to live a long, healthy, happy life. I want to get to, I want to be at the very end, still running around and still doing yoga and feeling strong and healthy within myself. So, you know, that's a massive motivation for me. Great. Spread the word. (laughs) I will. Preach. (laughs) Preach. Yeah, I will. So I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Whip it out. Okay. So what's one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing that people can implement today. Well, I mean, if there were three things to add to one, only three things to add to one's diet, it would be, you know, berries, healthiest fruits, greens, healthiest vegetables, and legumes. If there's only three things you could first remove from your diet, it'd be anything with trans fats, these partially hydrogenated oils, processed meat. Bacon, ham, hot dogs, lunch, meat, sausage, and a soda. Those would be the three things. So, that, I mean, if, if you just, if the one thing you did was just add those three, remove those three, you'd be a long way towards a longer, healthier life. Yes, absolutely. It really annoys me that there are healthy cafes, and I'm doing air quotes, healthy cafes, or even mm. plant-based cafes and restaurants that still use canola oil and still use these vegetable oils. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're completely just defeating the purpose. Oh, well, I mean, think about how the average person off the street is eating. I mean, compared to that, some plant-based cafe that uses oil is like, you know, mana from heaven. I mean, that's, you know, like 98% of the way there. I mean, that's tremendously better than everything else they're doing, right? I mean, um, so yes, it'd be better if they didn't have, you know, empty calorie oil, but oh my God, that's amazing. We should have one of those cafes on every corner. And then when we do, and they're trying to compete with each other, then maybe some will advertise. They go out of their way and say, we don't use oil or salt or added sugar. Go to the end. I will be the first one lining up. Yeah, I guess that is a good point. You know, it is better than KFC and McDonald's and them eating there. But yeah, for me, it's like I am a full purist qualitarian and I just don't put that stuff in my body. So I'm, I get a bit disappointed when I go there and I'm like, oh, really? You know? <laughs> so yes, let's get back to our rapid fire. The next one I have for you is what's one thing we can do for our wealth to have more wealth and more abundance in our life? Just one thing we can do today. Well, here in the States, it's all about bleeding money through healthcare, right? You want to save money on healthcare? How about treat the cause of your disease? And so instead of spending money on doctors and copays and drugs and surgery, you're spending your money on real food. I mean, so people, don't, you know, don't realize that, yes, you know, real food can be uh, more expensive, but you actually may save money in the long run because you'll be so much healthier for it. Yeah, you either spend money now on, you know, you either spend money on illness or wellness. It's it's up to you, you know. I and I choose to spend my money on being well and healthy and thriving. All right, last one. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Oh, wow. That's a that's a fantastic question. It's probably the most important question there is, particularly these days. And I think it's something that I run across a lot in the, just the social media world is just the, um, 
to be, uh, you know, try to be non-judgmental, to try, try, try to like every time someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, think, oh, you know, that for all we know, that person is rushing to their hospital because their mom is dying. Or all we know, right? I mean, who knows what's going on? And we should just always default to the most loving, kind, you know, answer. And I think if you do that, if you walk around just assuming that, you know, uh, you know, that, that, that people are living their best selves, I mean, then, then you just exude that kind of optimism and joy and, equanimity and, you know, this, this relaxed calm, which can be infectious. And, you know, just, just, you, you never know how bad a day the other person's having. And so it's the, in, we should always jump to forgiveness. We should always jump to empathy rather than, you know, just become irritated, which, you know, just uh, spreads around and makes everything worse in a vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And having compassion and kindness is just so important. So I love that little tip. Now, Michael, this has been amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we leave? Is there anything that you wanted to mention that I didn't ask you about? Just to encourage people to check out the nutritionfacts.org and it has all my contact information. Everybody has is interested in getting a hold of me. You know, I, I, um, I, I think something important just to lay out is that, you know, it doesn't matter, unless you have a serious illness, it doesn't really matter what you eat on your birthday, holiday, special occasions. It's the day-to-day stuff that adds up. And on a day-to-day basis, though, we really should try to eat healthy. In fact, the most important thing we can do for the health and longevity of ourselves and our family. Yeah, absolutely. And not beat yourself up. Like that's going to be more harmful than, you know, the guilt and the beating yourself up. Like just let it go. And what you do each day adds up to the big results. Right. And look, if you slip on one day, then just do better the next. Right. I mean, that's the, you know, you know, in the, in the book, as you can imagine, in the, uh, you know, uh, talking about weight loss, you know, there's all these psychological quirks of human nature. Like, there's actually something that's called in the sociology literature, the what the hell effect. That's the, you know, someone eating one cookie leading them to eat the whole bag. It's like you make one little slip and you think, well, I've already blew it. So what, you know, what the hell, you know? Whereas that you realize, take a step back, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, oh, I slipped away from my goal, therefore I should slip farther away from my goal. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And when you kind of take a step back and look at it and see how crazy that is, you're like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, I slipped up, fine. I'll just do better, you know, and not let ourselves, you know, be kind of, you know, to, to tricked into uh, really hurting ourselves further. Yeah, exactly. I love that. What the hell? That's hilarious. So, Michael, this has been awesome. It has been so informative. I'm very grateful that you have taken the time today to share with us. And I'm a big believer in service. So I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today because you are serving so many people with your work and with everything that you do. So how can we give back and serve you? All anyone can do is just go out and tell the people they love this life-changing, life-saving information and get it into as many hands as possible. We can definitely do that. 
So Michael, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you for your books, your work, everything that you do for blazing the trail, for reading all of those papers for us and putting it into (laughs) your books and your website and your podcast. Thank you so much for doing all of that for us and blazing this trail. We are so grateful that you're out there sharing this scientific data in such an easy to digest way. It is an honor to serve and keep up the good work yourself. Thank you, Michael. Wasn't that awesome? I highly recommend getting Michael's book. It is life-changing. And I just want to remind you guys that you really do need to look after your temple. You only get one in this lifetime. So please, please, please look after it. Treat it with love and respect and give it the best quality nutrients and clean water that you possibly can find. I got so many awesome reminders out of this episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. And for everything that Michael and I shared in this episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 241. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here again, twice a week. Getting to share this space with you is the best thing ever. I absolutely love it. I love seeing all your Instagram photos and stories of you listening to my episodes. So thank you so much for being here and for wanting to be the best and the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself. And for showing up today for you, you seriously rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, you can share it on your social media, you can email it to them, you can text it to them. Just do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.